0: unstuck two times this week I was um, speaking with some people that I know and they were they, they literally used the word in their conversation with me about being stuck not thinking about this sermon series they didn't know anything about it but they were talking about living in this situation that they're trying to get through two different people and um, Talking about how they felt stuck, not being able to um, find their way spiritually, not being able to find their way uh, down this path of um, Christianity, living right. They were stuck. All of us have experienced being stuck in some ways. I thought of some practical ways about being stuck not spiritual ways at first. I thought about traffic jams. None of us like being stuck in a traffic jam. I can't recall ever calling home like, hey guys, I'm going to be running late. I'm just kicked back here relaxing on 75 in a traffic jam, just chilling, so I'll be a little while. You know, we don't like it. Makes us say stuff. (laughs) Makes us do stuff. I thought about maybe even your car being stuck in the the mud or the snow, and then I kind of got a chuckle when I was thinking about something being stuck between our teeth. We don't like that. We like to address something being stuck between our teeth. And I was laughing about a month ago, I got something stuck back in the center of one of my teeth. I had paper clips in it, things that are not advisable to be putting in your mouth, trying to get it stuck out of your tooth. And it went on for days. Believe it or not, I think it was like a little blueberry seed. Something so small wreaks so much havoc on feeling like you can't even carry on until you get that unstuck out of your mouth. Frustration. Getting unstuck, it always requires some sort of action or response. Could be waiting, could be a lot of things. We typically don't do what is required to be unstuck until we try things that we know won't work and then we give in and waste a lot of time, effort, and energy by not doing what maybe we should have done in the first place. I think it's because we haven't learned to develop proactive skills on how to be unstuck from situations. If I had the things in my trunk necessary to get unstuck from the ice or snow, it wouldn't be so bad. Shovel, salt, pick, I don't know, something to get my car out from the ice, but it just doesn't. Stand to reason that on days like this, I have that kind of stuff in my trunk. Now, maybe some of y'all watch them survivor shows, you know, and you're going to buy me a survival kit for Christmas. I know I got some, One of y'all, it's enough people in here, you think like that. Put this in your trunk. This will break your window if your bridge breaks and you're down under the water. Somebody in here thinks like that. I got a father-in-law that thinks like that. I get emergency kit stuff on every holiday. He bought me a window-breaking thing one time and a piece of fruitcake. cake. I said, you ought to like those. I said, well, we're going to find out. I never tried fruitcake, and Lord, I hope I never have to use this pick to get out that window. <laughs> My point is, we're never prepared, usually, when we get stuck But we always realize when we're stuck, being stuck can sometimes have big ramifications or consequences and sometimes not so big. But knowing how to get unstuck matters. I guess before I move forward, I guess I should probably ask the question, has anyone ever needed to be unstuck from a spiritual standpoint? You feel stuck And you can't make progress. I'm going to preach to y'all eight or ten people that just let me know that you've been stuck before. Anybody ever been on? feel like you need unstuck spiritually? Thank you. I got the other half of y'all in there on that one. I at least got a head nod out of you. When I used to rap, I used to say, man, I try to keep them heads knobbing and bobbing. The enemy, he's always camouflaging. Now I try to keep them heads nobbing and bobbing when I'm not rapping, but I'm preaching. Let y'all know you're still with me. I don't think I have any head bobbers in here then, do I? I know y'all used to... Anybody know what that is? I keep them heads nobbing and bobbing. That's you riding down the... Riding down a riding down the street when you're 16 and that bucket of bolts you call a car, boy, but they can hear you. <laughs> that was me. Having the skills to get unstuck. That was completely unrelated to what I'm going to say next. So let's restart. Having the skills to get unstuck, man, it makes a difference. I've learned some things over the years. On a serious note, I've learned some things over the years in this spiritual walk, how to keep myself from becoming stuck, potentially. But you see, the enemy, he's such a deceiver, he'll find a way to stick you again. So then I've learned that I've also got to have some skills to understand how to get unstuck when I find myself in the position again where I have somehow uh, 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 need God to, to, to reign in my life. If you do not have the skills to get unstuck, it will leave you no pun intended here spinning your wills spiritually spinning your wills watching it seems as if everyone else who has given their heart to god be blessed be all of this and while you're stuck spinning your wills spiritually speaking how to get unstuck is such a necessary skill that we all need in order to make Christian progress. That means five years down the road, you shouldn't be the same person that you are today, spiritually speaking. And that's not to say that who you are today is a bad person. But you should still be making spiritual progress. You should be growing. Why? Because healthy things grow. Stagnation has no room in the life of a believer. Stagnation has no room in the life of someone who calls God the God of their life. It has no room. Healthy things should always be growing. But I believe that when we get stuck, we become stagnant because we don't have in our arsenal the ability to put being stuck in the right perspective. It doesn't matter where you are on this Christian continuum. There's not a certain threshold that you somehow make it to in your walk with God that all of a sudden the possibility of getting stuck, you see, it just doesn't occur anymore. That, that's not how this works. We all are prone to finding ourselves in a position where we're spinning our wills. The enemy is present at every turn. Repeat after me. Life is hard. I got so many people to repeat that after me, but they didn't say come on with it like 10 minutes ago. But boy, when I said life is hard, I'm not a therapist, but there's got to be something behind that. I mean, y'all was preaching it. Life is hard. The devil is real. But God is good. Life will always be hard. The devil is around us. The demonic spirit of evil exists in this world. It's real. There are demonic powers in this world. That's why the Bible says we must be covered by the blood of Jesus. That's why the Bible said that we must rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus that make all the difference in the world. It's no other name and no one else's blood that can cover us and protect us from the evil demonic spirit that exists in this place we call the earth. I want to be covered. We've got some baby birds growing back here in the back. They're chirping amen right now. Mark's throwing his arms up. We battle in birds every year. We live, you see, in a broken world, a broken world, and then therefore, getting stuck, it's going to happen. I recently stumbled across the list of areas in your life or our lives that we typically feel like we're getting stuck or prone to becoming stuck. The list was too good not to share with you this morning the areas and places in life that we feel we're getting stuck. We can get stuck relationally on our relationships. We get stuck financially. Feel as if we're never making progress. We get stuck physically. I know I'm preaching to some of y'all. We get stuck spiritually spiritually. We get stuck emotionally, just can't seem to make any progress. It's not an exhaustive list, but I thought it was a good one. I thought it was a great place to start. It resonated with me, spoke to me. It's amazing how one affects the other. For being honest, all of us have experienced being stuck in these areas, In our life multiple times, sometimes at the same time. If you're not well off financially, you're probably not well off relationally. If you're not well off relationally and stuck, you're probably not well off emotionally. And so on and so on. Spiritually and even physically. As the old saying goes, when it rains, it pours. And we experience all of these things at the same time. We hear things coming from the mouths of even believers. When all of this comes raining in on us, I don't know how much more I can take. Hmm. How you respond to these areas, some might say, your response matters. Your response matters. How you respond to all of these things makes all the difference in the world. My response when being stuck matters. You can put your head down and you can keep shoveling all you want to when you're stuck to try to become unstuck. But sometimes it would just be like stepping on the gas harder when you're stuck in the snow. What generally happens when you do that? You get stuck even worse. We need to develop spiritual skills to help us get unstuck, which brings me to the first point that I want to talk about today, your point of view. How you look at the situation makes a difference. If you're not responding from a spiritual point of view, you will more than likely have a very difficult time becoming unstuck. How you see the situation makes a very big difference. Why is this? It's because of our innate selfish desires. Our innate selfish desires and changing our point of view when we are stuck can be very difficult. Remember, I quoted a scripture scripture here just a few minutes ago, Romans 5 and 8, yet why we were still sinners, God died for us. So I have to be born again and become a spirit being. And when I stray from the ability to walk in that spirit that saved me, there's only one other thing that can come to the surface. It would be my flesh, my carnality, my desire to be the old man, the sinful one, the sinful nature. If you haven't been walking this walk for a very long time with Jesus as your Savior, let me give you a very helpful hint. Just because you are saved doesn't mean that your old desires will immediately go away. In fact, I will tell you that I've been saved with the Lord of my life for a very long time. And there are still multiple times a day that I battle the old man. That's why one day the Bible says we won't have to battle that anymore. We will be in a place called heaven And we will take on a glorified body with no more fleshly desires in a place called heaven where the day is never ending and the light of that place of heaven is Jesus. But until then, you're going to battle. This is how we become stuck, you see, in the first place. We want to use non-spiritual responses of our flesh. And God doesn't operate that. Way Many of the times, if not most of the time, we have to change how we see the situation. It's easy to say, here we go again, with the poor old me response. But what if I put the enemy in check and say, ah, boy, here we go again then. Here we go again. You want some of this? See the difference? Here we go again. I'm stuck again. Why, 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 why? Or, oh, cool. You can come in at me like, here we go again, then. It's like a double or nothing rematch for me. Let's get it on. Remember that guy? Ladies and gentlemen. You know, let's get ready to rumble. Some of y'all watched boxing back in the day. I miss it. All that cage fighting, man, it it messes with me. I can't take all that. I'd just rather see them bobbing and weaving a little bit. Oh, boy, here we go again. It's my point of view. Hmm, okay, okay, okay. You tried this before. You don't know that greater is in me than he that's in the world. If God did it before, He'll do it again for me. Here we go again. You sure you want to go down this road? I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Any enemy that comes against me one way shall flee seven ways. Here we go again. I've already taken a look at the back of the book. The simple fact is that I win in the end. Here we go again. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Here we go. You sure you want to do this? You can't lose with the stuff I choose. You sure you want to go down this route? Or, here we go again. I knew this was going to happen. Mm -mm, That's not me. I'm going to change my point of view. I am on the winning side. The one that I serve is undefeated. He's never lost a battle. There's no one that compares to him. There's a lot like us, but there's only one like him. I'm on the winning side today, church. If you're watching today by way of the internet, you are on the winning side. The devil is a liar. He's the father of all lies according to the book of John 10.10. He is a liar, but God is all truth, and in him is truth. Here we go again. (laughs) Make me want to give him that spiritual laugh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Here we go again. I'm going to warn you, though. I'm going to hurt you this time like I didn't hurt you before. I've never lost a battle with Jesus on my side. A little bit of adversity come my way. I want to get stuck. Oh boy. Oh boy. Here we go again. Responding spiritually to the situation. If you do not respond to these situations spiritually you will become like a ship at sea tossed around by the storms of life, subject to wherever the waves desire to push you around. You do not stand a chance without God on your side. Oh, it may work for a day, it may work for a week, it may work for a night, it may work for a year, but eventually there's coming a day when all that you have is spelled capital J-E-S-U-S. Your mama can't help you. Your daddy won't be able to help you. Auntie, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, the people down at the workplace, all these people you think can help you. There's coming a day when you'll be left standing alone with only one place to run. Jesus. So why not start with Jesus in the first place? Here we go again. Come on. See, he goes behind me. He goes beside me. He goes before me. I'm surrounded by him. If you're a believer, you don't have to be tossed around by the storms of life. You can stand your ground, you can change your point of view. If you change your point of view, you can assess the situation differently. Here we go again. You know what that is? I'm reflecting on my past. Here we go again. That's got connotations that are reflective of what already has happened. As if it's going to repeat itself. But when I say, here we go again. I'm talking about what's getting ready to happen. You don't have to be tossed around. We often hear people say, but you don't understand. Put yourself in my shoes for a minute. In other words, change your point of view. This statement usually comes from the person who's stuck. It's a pity statement. Here we go again. Put yourself in my shoes. How about the idea of putting yourself in someone else's shoes who's already stuck and says, what would Jesus do if we're going to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes? Why don't we start with his? Put yourself in his shoes. What would Jesus do? Jesus already experienced your stuck state of being. That was a tongue twister, by the way. Stuck state of being. I know what Jesus would do when He wants to battle His flesh like He was battling in the Garden of Gethsemane and He wanted to give in and He wanted to throw the towel in. He was getting ready to be crucified because of who I am, not because of Him. Because of my shortcomings. He was going to have to suffer. He didn't want to have to go through it. He begged God to let the cup of bitterness to pass from his hand. And within that cup of bitterness that he had to drink from was the sin of all mankind, past, present, and future. He had to drink from the cup. He had to do what he didn't want to do. But he prayed, God, let your will be done. Put yourself in his shoes. Mm. I'm preaching to somebody today. You could say, oh my, oh me, oh whatever. This word will do it to you. This word of God will cut like a knife, like a two edged sword. This word will cut. I didn't say, this came from the word of God. Not my will, but your will be done. I'm stuck here. I'm stuck here in the garden. I told my boys, go over about a stone's throw away while I go over here and pray. I got stuck so bad in the garden, Jesus did, that it said his sweat became as if they were drops of blood. He was stuck. He didn't want to go any further. He wanted to go back. So what would Jesus do? He would say, not my will, but your will be done. So what will you do today sometimes when you're stuck? You have to pray that God's will be done in your life. That's a different point of view. God, this is hard. God, there's some suffering involved. There's some dedication involved. Some people have let me down. They haven't treated me the way that I believe I should be treated. But, but not my will, Father. I will take all of those things as long as I can see your will be done in my life. That requires sacrifice. Jesus set aside his differences. The woman at the well, in order to love, he was not supposed to be with the Samaritans. Forget the, forget the miracle at first and what took place, and, and he'll give you living water that you want. If you, he, he, told, he told the Samaritan woman, give me some water. I'm going to get into the story. Give me some water. Sir, that's a deep well. I, do you have anything to bring the water up with? And he made the savage moment type of statement that he always makes. I would have loved to have seen the, uh, the, 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 the body language, the tone of voice when he told her, if you only even knew who you were talking to. Well, how did he say it? I know how I would say it. But I know he probably didn't talk like I talk. I don't know. I said, boy, you already know if you only knew. <laughs> but I, he probably didn't say it like that. And then he considered the fact that she got five husbands back at the crib doing what she's not supposed to do. Remember? Repeat after me. You can't do what you want to do. But you see, he didn't address that at first. He's going to let love fix all that. He set aside the fact that she had sin in her life. He set aside the fact that he wasn't supposed to be associating with her. He set aside the fact that she didn't know like he knew what was happening. So that he could show her love. Set aside our differences. I know y'all think, you know, everybody votes the way you do. and. I'll leave it alone now, y'all. Praise God. How often have we let our differences become a great divide and inhibit our ability to become unstuck? Some of you may be stuck because you can't set aside your differences to come along in agreement with God and His love and let that be the common thread that allows for us to bond and unite. Love, love, love. We have a question that we ask all the time. When we're interviewing folks, I'll paraphrase it. It basically says, what would your co-workers say after working with you for a year? We get all kind of stuff. I'm waiting for a blood-bought Christian to get in there and just name the nine fruit of the Spirit coming from Galatians 5. They would say, I forgive. They would say, I'm kind. They would say, I have self-control. They would say, I love. I won't hear none of that. I could teach you the job. Do you have all of this? Jesus. What would Jesus do? He, he even forgave while he was on the cross. Us on the cross, you see, we would have been saying, I can't believe this is going to happen. God, what are you going to rescue me? Christ even, even shouted to God. He, he, he screamed to God, why have you forsaken me? Well, The The answer is simple. We had to feel forsaken because there are times in our life when we feel forsaken, you see, when we're left all alone, undone, and afraid. But even on the cross, as they spat upon His face, they mocked Him, they cursed Him. He took the point of view that maybe none of us would have been able to take. And He said, Father, forgive Him. (laughs) See, we're talking about getting unstuck now. You didn't know we was. I didn't tell you to go get a shovel. I didn't tell you to go get some de-icer. It probably doesn't work anyway. We're talking about getting unstuck. Forgive. Set aside our differences. Not only should you change your point of view. But you should look at this stuck circumstance that you're in as an opportunity to grow. We must learn from every stuck experience that we have in life. Sometimes this requires us to be obedient to the voice of God. Sometimes we know this better for ourselves. Sometimes we want things so bad in life that we negate the power Sometimes we want things so bad in life that we negate the Word, the presence of God, to work in the situation. Maybe it's, God, what are you trying to show me in the situation? Why, in all of your sovereignty, have you allowed for the will of man to put me in a situation that I'm uncomfortable An opportunity to grow. I want to take you to a verse of Scripture as we finish up here from Luke 5. For all y'all to think I just make this stuff up. Critical people out there. He didn't even put no verse of Scripture up there. Blah, 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 blah. They say it, trust me. Down here at the skateway to heaven. Luke 5, verse number 1 through 11. One day Jesus was standing by the lake. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little bit from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water. Let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. We've worked hard all night. And we haven't caught anything. We're stuck. But because you say, I'll go ahead and let the nets down. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Ain't it just like God? So they signaled their partners, they're going to get somebody else in on it now. They was doubting a second ago. We, we had the nets in all night, all night long. Now, now they like, hey, 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 hey. Come. They, uh, into the boat to come and help them. They, they came and they filled both boats so full that not only did the nets begin to break, this more than enough, God was about, to make the, was about to make the boats sink. When Simon saw this, Simon Peter, he fell at Jesus' knees. Some might say, well, what is the fear of God? He fell at Jesus' knees, and he said, go away. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their nets up on the shore, left everything, and they followed. They were stuck, you see, in their own power, they caught nothing. The scripture says they worked all night. But in God's time, in God's time, some of y'all may have been working all night. I don't know what your situation is. And nights can last from dusk till dawn, and nights can last for years. I don't know how long your night has been. On their own power, in your own power, you can work all night. But in God's timing, they caught more than they could handle with very little effort. Little is much. When God is in it, when God begins to work in your life, sometimes you're afraid. Sometimes when you get stuck, you get scared. But Jesus said in the verse of Scripture, He said, Do not be afraid. They worked all night. They caught nothing. God gave them more than enough with very little effort and told them, Do not be afraid. Jesus also told them, Your past does not matter. He said, go back one verse. Your past does not matter. I don't remember that, Pastor Scott. I, I know from now on, from this point forward, that means from right now on, I'm going to change the way you do life. You may not be a fisherman today. I don't know how long your night has been. I don't know how hard you've worked. I don't know how afraid you are. I don't know what you might be stuck in. But from now on, he told them, I will make you fish for people. I'm going to change the way you do life. In the very last verse of Scripture, go back to 11. Pulled their boats up on the shore. That's easy. They left everything. From now on, from this point forward. Your life will change. You will fish for men. You will do life differently. I will bless you beyond measure. It will take a little bit of effort to do a lot of stuff in my name. I know you've been fishing all night. So pull your boat up to the shore and leave everything and follow me. From this point but I want to I want to take this with me. I want to take this with me. I don't want to do away with this. I don't want to do it from this point forward. They left everything and they followed.